Now there are some parts of the Bible that it's very easy to just uh, quickly read through to sort of brush over. There are lots of parts of the Old Testament, particularly when you see the lists. But all the passages in the Bible are very important and are all there for a reason. And there's one such passage that it's very easy to, to miss out. And it's Luke chapter 1, verse 67 through to verse 80. Where we see Zacharias really uh, praising God in, in what is really a, a song. Um, he's praising God obviously because of the announcement that God has given him and his wife that they're having a child but, but more importantly that that child is going to be John the Baptist and that he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And as I say it's very easy to brush over such passages but I want to show you this morning just how amazing and how exciting this particular passage is. So let's all stand to hear God's word. I'm going to read from Luke 1, 67 through to verse 80. Zechariah prophesies of John's ministry, but also obviously mostly of the Messiah. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of David, his slave, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. To show mercy towards our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father. To grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. A new child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercies of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and become strong in the spirit and he lived in the desert until the day of his public ministry and appearance to Israel. God bless his word as we consider that in just a moment. Please be seated. Let's come to God again in prayer before we look at those words. Father, again we thank you for your word, particularly the advent of Christmas and we thank you for that proclamation that heralding the birth of Jesus was another birth who would also then go on to herald the ministry of Jesus, to herald the arrival of the Messiah. We thank you for all that we can read, and we pray that you'll open it again to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit to learn and to grow and to mature into your people, to be able to worship you as we should worship you. And I pray that you'll open my mouth to speak your word for your glory. Amen. Now as you know, uh, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, record the arrival, uh, the life, the death, resurrection, the ascension into heaven of the Lord Jesus Christ. That account is told by all four writers. But Luke in particular is the one who gives us the details of the account of the angelical visitor who comes particularly to Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. And he tells them that even though they were unable to have children, and also that they were in old age, the Lord is going to cause them to have a miraculous birth. And from then, 
the first prophet in 400 years really, nothing really had happened in the history of the world for 400 years since the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. This prophet would arise and he would be the greatest of all prophets. In fact Jesus says up until that time this man John was the greatest man to have ever lived. And as you know he's the forerunner to the Messiah. And his work was to make the way ready for the Messiah to arrive. Getting the people ready, preparing their hearts to tell them about this Messiah. Now we've come through the account of Luke as we saw last week all the way down to verse 67. And we saw how Zacharias who had been struck dumb and deaf and was unable to speak obviously suddenly miraculously when he writes on that tablet as we saw last week his name is John he can speak and he begins to speak in verse 64 in praise of God and he declares that God has given them a son whose name is John which means God is gracious and Zacharias according to verse 67 was then filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to prophesy not prophecy as in speaking the future and quite often people think about prophecy as uh, telling the future prophecy doesn't mean that sometimes it contains an element of a future event because God gives his people whatever it is that he wants to tell the people but most of the time prophecy is simply saying something that God has told you to tell the people a prophet is simply somebody who proclaims the truth about God which may or mostly doesn't contain future elements but mostly just telling the people something that God wanted the people to hear so that's what Zacharias does here now what you have from Zacharias here in verse 67 to 80 it's basically as I've already mentioned a song that's natural for people to sing when they're happy um, the songs of praise are all over the Bible actually the, the book of Psalms is really a book of songs um, 150 songs that the children of Israel would sing so look at opens his account of this with this prophet who announces the coming of the saviour he also uh, has an announcement to Mary obviously that the saviour is going to be born and she's going to be the mother but the thing to, to remember here is that this Zacharias he is an Old Testament priest in the same way that John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet at this time the New Testament technically hasn't actually begun so Zacharias is an Old Testament priest John the Baptist is an Old Testament prophet. And the Old Testament ends with a promise. There are many, many promises in the Old Testament. But it ends with a promise in Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. And that promise that ends the Old Testament is the son of righteousness, that's son S-U-N, but also a reference to the son S-O-N. The son of righteousness will, will arise with healing in his beams. And as I said, God, after that promise in the Old Testament, goes silent for 400 years. So for 400 years there's been no prophet, no word from God, no word from heaven, no revelation from God. But that last promise we get, Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, the son of righteousness, the Messiah really, will arise with healing in his beams. So at this time, just before Jesus' birth, 400 years have gone by. Darkness has remained and God has remained silent until this moment when you get the arrival of John. The one who's going to announce the coming of the Messiah, the forerunner. And then the angel announces the arrival of the Saviour, the Messiah himself. Salvation of God is about to break out 
And in our passage today we learn, we see from Zechariah, this joy in his heart over the arrival of his son, obviously, but also of the promised saviour. So, so he's really joyous about two things. He's excited because they're going to have a child. That's amazing, that's wonderful, because they were old, they couldn't have children anyway. He's excited because this child is special. This child is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. But he's also excited because, obviously, if his child is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, then the Messiah is coming too. So he's excited about that. So he knows that he's going to have a son. His name is going to be John. And that son's duty is to arrive, uh, be the forerunner of the arrival of the Messiah. So Zacharias knows now, and this is the thing that really excites him, that the Messiah, obviously, is coming soon. And when John had grown to manhood, he went into the wilderness and he began to prophesy about that coming Messiah. And when the Messiah did show up, John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this was really a glorious moment for Zacharias. He really understands this. He knows his Old Testament. He's an Old Testament priest. He knows all about the predictions, the prophecies of the Messiah. And if you want to know how an Old Testament priest views the arrival of Jesus... Here it is, in this first chapter of Luke. This is the testimony of an Old Testament priest to the reality of the arrival of the Messiah. Now in Zacharias, uh, in, sorry, in verse 76, Zacharias, he does make reference to his own son John. That's in verse 76. Your child, uh, you child, he's speaking of his own son John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his way. Now there, as I say, Zacharias is talking about John, John the Baptist, his son, who's going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah and prepare the way for their Messiah. So halfway through he does talk about John, but the rest of this, most of this praise, it's all actually about the Messiah rather than John the Baptist. Zacharias understood that this was time to praise God for the salvation that's going to come through the Messiah. And it's quite interesting actually because it's such a, a joyous occasion and Zacharias is so excited that there's no judgment here. Um, in Mary's um, Magnificat there are comments about judgment. In verse 52 he brought down the rulers from their thrones, he sent away uh, the rich empty handed. But there's no judgment here in this particular praise. This is just pure praise. So we're going to look at this from the perspective of an Old Testament priest. Remember, at this point, the New Testament hadn't been written. All Zacharias knew was the Old Testament. And we're going to look at four promises. Three specific promises in the Old Testament, and then the final promise that I've already read to you in Malachi 4, verse 2, the final promise of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at how Zacharias makes reference to the fact that Jesus is the fulfilment of these four promises. And many, many more actually that he didn't mention in the Old Testament. But Zacharias, basically, what he's doing here in this praise, he's pointing out that Jesus is the fulfilment of four very, very important promises given in the Old Testament. So we get these three promises and also the final promise. The three promises before that final one in Malachi 4 verse 2 were promises that were given to David promises that were given to Abraham and promises that were given to the prophets particularly Ezekiel and Jeremiah so Zacharias makes reference to all these promises and he's saying Jesus fulfills 
all these promises that you, and he's speaking first of all to Jewish people, you, you know these promises. You've waited all your life for the fulfilment of these promises. You've been excited that one day these promises will be fulfilled. This is the time. Jesus fulfills them. So we get this and he begins his praise. He identifies the fact that the Messiah's arrival is the fulfilment of this promise to David. We see that in verse 69. And then he says the arrival of the Messiah is also a fulfilment of the promise made to Abraham in verse 73. And then finally in verse 77 he says this is a promise that's fulfilled the knowledge of salvation and the forgiveness of sins that's given to the prophets, particularly Ezekiel and Jeremiah. It's very important, particularly for the Jewish people, to, to read this and to understand that the account of salvation does not end at the last book of the Old Testament. Many Orthodox Jews today will say, well, that is, it ends there. There is no New Testament. But Zacharias is saying, no, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end, in other words, with promises unfulfilled. Zacharias tells us this in his prayers. The three promises plus that final promise of Malachi 4 verse 2 are fulfilled and they're all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In other words, the New Testament is a revelation of the promises of the Old Testament fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfilment of these great promises. It starts in verse 67. His father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he preached, prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. That's why this is some call, uh, sometimes called a benedictus, that's just Latin for, for blessing. Because he's saying, this is blessing, this is a great blessing. He's filled with joy, he has gratitude, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was very common for Jewish people to say, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. You find that throughout the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament generally. And Zacharias is blessing God because first of all, obviously he sees the coming of the Messiah. And secondly, because he sees the fulfilment of the promises of God, all fulfilled in the Messiah. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, because he has visited us. He's visited us, he's here, he's come down. He's anticipating the arrival of the Messiah, and, and actually, he does it as if it's already happened. He puts it in the past tense, he has visited us. It hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't even been born. But he does it. And this was a common thing for them to do in these days, to emphasise that this is so sure, this is so clearly going to happen, that he speaks as if it's already happened, which they did sometimes. It's definitely going to happen. Now in the Old Testament we do see God visiting earth. God has come down a number of times, not often, but a number of times, sometimes in judgement and wrath, we see that in Exodus 32, Sometimes in gracious purposes, such as in Exodus 4, uh, Ruth chapter 1 verse 6. But a visit from God on earth is always a monumental event, absolutely monumental, whether it's for judgment or for grace. And that's what's happening here, and that's another reason why Zacharias is so excited. He's saying, God has arrived. He hadn't, but he's about to. Jesus is God in the flesh. So when Jesus comes, God's arriving on earth. God arrived when the Gabriel came to Zacharias and Elizabeth. God's arriving in history. This is amazing. Centuries have gone by. People have been waiting and waiting for God to come. Finally, he comes. And why does he come? It says in verse 68, he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. God's come 
to accomplish redemption. And that's what the people were looking for. Redemption means to be, to be redeemed, uh, to be saved. And that's the reason that God is coming. The people of Israel had waited for centuries, had longed to be brought back from the bondage of sin. They wanted to be rescued. Redemption means uh, to, to rescue at a cost, uh, usually a very high price. So the people, the godly people of Israel have been waiting for this redemption. And Zacharias is saying to them, and us, and all people throughout history, this is it. It's coming. It's arrived. God's come to accomplish redemption for his people. The birth of John signals the arrival of the Messiah. And that means that God will rescue his people from sin and death and judgment and hell. God's always shown great power to redeem. This is a clearly uh, God because this is what he does I mean in the Old Testament we see uh, for example in the Egyptian display of power the people of Israel were under subjugation for uh, 430 years bondage in Israel in, in Egypt I should say and then God brought the plagues he divided the Red Sea and there was all those miracles in the wilderness God is a God who saves he's always been a saviour he's always been a deliverer he's always been a rescuer of his people but now he's come to rescue not just his people, but the entire world. And how will he do that? How will he accomplish this redemption? Verse 69, he has raised up the horn of salvation for us. He has raised up this horn of salvation. What's that? Well, horn doesn't mean a trumpet here. Um, it means a, an animal horn. There was an expression that the Jews had um, to talk really about strength, power. Um, an animal had power, an animal had the power in its horns and it would fight with its horns and it's just a, an analogy in that sense. So to say the horn of, is to say to power, strength, the power of an animal with its horns, ability to do killing damage. So this expression means power, you see that often in the Old Testament. So it's the horn of my salvation, the power, the strength of my salvation. In Psalm 132 verse 17, I will cause the horn of David to spring forth. What's the horn of David? The horn of David is the Messiah. The strength of David, the one coming in David's line who's born of David. And he is the Messiah in the line of David. And that's exactly what you have here. Zechariah says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And how? Because he's raised up a horn of salvation. In the house of David, his slave. That's essentially what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 50 verse 34, that the Redeemer is strong. It will come through this powerful, powerful Redeemer. And that's the first important point that Zacharias made. This is the fulfilment of the promise to David. The Redeemer's coming. That's why Jesus came. He called him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Of course the people of Israel had a problem. The people of Israel wanted a king. They didn't really want a redeemer. And the reason they didn't want a redeemer is because they didn't think they needed to be saved. They didn't think they were that bad. They didn't think that they were that sinful. They thought that they were God's people and they were fine. All they needed was a king to reign. And they knew that the promise of David was a king. One day, a great king, a descendant of David, will arise and he will lead his people. That's all they wanted. The whole idea of the Redeemer wasn't something on their minds. They were ready to receive a kingdom, but sadly they were very secure in their own self-righteousness. But Luke wants to make it crystal clear, it's not just about a coming king. 
Zacharias wants to make it clear that it's not just about this Messiah being the king over a people who were already righteous. Nobody is righteous. He came also to be a redeemer. And we see that Luke says that Jesus came to save. He says it over 30 times in this gospel. Jesus is a saviour. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, he says. That's why Jesus came. Also, that's what put Jesus on a collision course with the religious leaders. And that's what caused them to reject him and send him to the Romans to be executed. But Zacharias, he knows, unlike many Jews, that it's not just about a coming king. It's about a saviour. It's about a redeemer. Mary also understood that. Mary says, My soul exalts the Lord, the Spirit has rejoiced in God, my Saviour. Mary knew that she needed a Saviour. She wasn't sinless, as the Catholics will tell you. That's not true. She wasn't virgin born. She was a sinner. She even says so. I'm a sinner. I need a Saviour. And he's come. That's the theme of Mary's prayers. That's the theme of Zacharias' prayers. And it's a song of salvation. Zacharias says that John the prophet announces, verse 76, to prepare the way of the Lord. So let's look at those three promises in a little bit of detail. We've got the three promises plus the one from Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, the final one of the Old Testament. The first is a promise to David. He says the Saviour is coming in the house of David, verse 69. That's why Matthew says that Jesus was the son of David. Very, very important to get that across. He's a descendant of David. He's the fulfilment of the promise that was made to David Redeemer, the horn, the Messiah would be from the house of David Zacharias knows therefore that this isn't about his son John John's not the Messiah because Zacharias was the house of Aaron the priestly line his wife Elizabeth was the house of Aaron again the priestly line therefore John was of the house of Aaron he's not from the house of David it's not about John it's about somebody else it's about the Messiah the Messiah, according to Psalm 132, verse 17, would be from the horn of David, the strength of David, the line of David, the royal line of David. And that's very important, because here's the promise that God gave to David. It's in 2 Samuel 7, verse 16. This is the promise that Zacharias is thinking about. This is the promise that Zacharias is saying, this, this coming Messiah, he fulfills this. 2 Samuel 7, verse 16 says... To David, God speaking, you will have a greater son who will reign on your throne everlastingly, eternally, in a kingdom that will never end. That's the promise that God made to David. And David knew it wasn't about Solomon, because Solomon didn't have an everlasting throne that will never end. It's about somebody else who's coming in the future. And that's why Matthew gives the genealogy of Joseph. He comes through David's line, and therefore Jesus did. And that's why we see in Luke the genealogy of Mary, who also comes from David's line. That's why Jesus does. So the Messiah was born in David's line. He has the right to rule. He will be the king. Of course, he'll also be the saviour. I'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, he's going to be the king. The Messiah would come to fulfil the promise that one day, David was told, somebody's coming who's going to be a great king and he's going to rule everlastingly and more than that he would also reign not just over the Jews but over the whole world in Luke 1 verse 31 when Gabriel comes to Mary he says you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus which means saviour and he will be great 
He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. That's telling you again the fulfilment of the promise to David. He will reign over the house of Jacob. And his kingdom will have no end. And then verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason this holy child will be called the Son of God. So the Son of God is a descendant of David. Fulfilling the promise to David. He has to be in David's line. But Psalm 2 tells us that not just the Jews doesn't end just with the Jewish people because it says at the end of it surely I will tell of the decree of the Lord you are my son today I have begotten you ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance the very ends of the earth as your possession so this coming Messiah fulfills the promise of David that he will rule over the Jewish people and the whole world it will be an eternal a boundless kingdom so Zacharias is excited about this and that's why he says this is the Messiah's arrival he's arriving to be king he's arriving to deliver his people he's arriving to be the ruler over the whole world that's the first promise but then Zacharias continues because he says also really this Messiah, this coming one he doesn't just fulfil David's promise he's not just coming as a king he also fulfils the promise to Abraham it says he comes to show mercy towards our fathers and remember his holy covenant. A covenant is just another word for promise. The oath, the promise of Jesus swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before all our days. In the same way that God gave a promise to David, he also gave a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham would have a people who would be greater than the sands on the earth spread across the earth, a blessing to the nations so they would have blessing and they would become a blessing and what's the blessing through Israel? we see it a little bit later in Genesis 22 where God tells Abraham to go up the Mount Moriah to take his son Isaac, to kill his son Isaac and then just before he's about to kill the son he raises a knife God says stop I've got a substitute and he brings out an animal and Isaac is spared and Abraham kills the animal and said and God said there has to be a sacrifice there has to be a sacrifice of blood but I will provide the sacrifice it's going to be a substitute he's going to take the place of others and that's the covenant of salvation and that was Abraham's promise one day somebody is coming who will be a substitute who will be a sacrifice who will take the place of others it's a covenant of redemption it's a covenant of a sacrifice that is illustrated by Abraham and Isaiah in chapter 22 and God is merciful not only is he a son of God not only does he fulfill the promise of David he's going to fulfill the promise of Abraham he will rule as a king yes but he'll also be a saviour He'll also provide holiness, he'll also provide righteousness, he'll also provide salvation. So you can see why Zacharias is exciting. He knows all of these prophecies, he knows all about the prophecies of David, he knows all about the prophecies of Abraham, on, like the back of his hand, he knows them really well. And he's so excited and he's thinking, this is it, this is the fulfilment of those promises. David promised that there would be a ruler and a king Abraham was promised that there would be a transformation, that there would be salvation. And here it is. The Messiah brings the promise of the ruler. 
The promise that was given to David and this Messiah gives the promise of a saviour. The promise that was given to Abraham. But then there's a third promise. Zechariah says in verse 77, The Messiah will come, the horn will come to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And this is a new element. This is the first time it's mentioned. You see, in the Davidic promise, the Davidic covenant, there isn't any mention of forgiveness. In the Abrahamic covenant, there isn't any mention of forgiveness. But in this covenant, this promise, suddenly now we're told, and as well as all these things, you're going to have forgiveness, which is essential as well. And Zechariah gets that from Jeremiah 31 verse 31. The most important of all the Old Testament promises because God promises in that particular passage, Jeremiah 31 verse 31 and following, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant, a new promise with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenants which I've made to their fathers in the past, a new covenant. In other words, the covenant of the past was, there's the law, obey it, you're blessed, disobey it, you're cursed. That's it. But this is a new promise. This is a new covenant. And what's the new covenant? Verse 34. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That's the new covenant. This is a new promise. This is something special. This is something different. This is something that's going to come because of this coming Messiah. So Zacharias is saying here, he understands that the Davidic promise is being fulfilled in this king that's coming. The Abrahamic promise is being fulfilled that this Redeemer is coming and now he's saying the promise given to the prophets that this same one is also going to bring the forgiveness of sin. Your sins will be completely forgiven in this new coming Messiah. So all of this is in the mind of this Old Testament priest. As I say, he really knew his Old Testament. Everything promised to David he's saying, is going to be fulfilled in this child. Everything promised to Abraham, he's saying, is going to be fulfilled in this child. Everything promised to the Old Testament prophets in the New Covenant is also going to be fulfilled in this child. This child that's coming. The forgiveness. Here comes the one who's going to make provision by which God can forgive sins. And why? Zacharias also understands why does God want to do this and it says in verse 78 the reason he's going to do this is because of the tender mercy of our God because of the tender mercy of our God that defines God he's merciful he's tender he's pardoning he overlooks transgression and it's all because of this coming Messiah this is the highest of all causes for praise no wonder he's excited the knowledge of salvation the forgiveness of sin he knows all of this. Only possible because this Redeemer is coming. As a result of all this, Zacharias also ends knowing full well that the final promise of the Old Testament is also being fulfilled in this coming Messiah. The final promise I've already mentioned in Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. Malachi 4 verse 2. But you who fear my name... The son of righteousness will rise with healings in his beams. That's the last word of the Old Testament. And as I say, it goes down for 400 years. But Zacharias, he knows that that is fulfilled as well in this coming Messiah. Because he says in verse 78, The sunrise from on high will visit us. 
So Zacharias is thinking about Malachi 4 verse 2 and he's saying, this child is also the answer to that. This child really is the answer to everything. He could have, he could have written reams and spoke for hours and hours of every single promise in the Old Testament. But he just picks out the main ones. But he's saying he's, he's the fulfilment of this, the very last promise in the Old Testament. And Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. And it says here in verse 79, Zechariah says, And he will shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Zacharias knew that Jesus was the fulfilment of that final promise at the end of the Old Testament to shine on us. As I talked about this a lot in chapter 9 verse um, well all of chapter 9, all of chapter 59 and all of chapter 60 actually that's why also right at the very end of the New Testament the revelation, the book of Revelation it concludes with the same promise in Revelation chapter 22 verse 16 it says for I Jesus have sent my angels to testify to you these things for the churches I am the root and descendant of David I am the bright morning star so the Old Testament ends with a promise of the sun who will come to dispel the darkness. The New Testament begins with the rising of that sun, as Zacharias tells us here. And then the Bible closes with the declaration that, yes, Jesus, he's the sun. He's the sun, S-U-N, as well as the sun, S-O-N. He's the one who dispels the darkness. He's the one who guides our way in the light, in the way of peace. He's the fulfilment of the last promise of the Old Testament. And Zacharias, he knows that. And that's what he's telling us. John the Baptist knew it too. That's why John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew. He's basically saying, Forgiveness has arrived. The sun has risen. The darkness is over. And every person who believes in him, for them, that's exactly what he does. He dispels the darkness. He opens a way of peace. And that's the message of Christmas. That's really what Zacharias is saying here. That's the message of Christmas. The fulfilment of all of these amazing promises that God gave centuries before Jesus was ever born. All fulfilled in Jesus. The full Christmas message. Let's come to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this amazing passage here. This, the excitement of Zacharias. As he is the very first to proclaim the fact that Jesus, the coming Messiah, was the fulfilment of the promise to David, the promise to Abraham, the promise to the prophets, and the fulfilment of the very, very, very last promise in the Old Testament, that one is coming who would be the sun who would shine. He would be king, as David had promised. He would bring salvation, as Abraham was promised, and he would bring the forgiveness of sin as well as being that light. We thank you for this. We thank you for the message of Christmas because that's what Christmas is all about. We thank you that we are your people because of this and that we know the fulfilment of those prophecies all came into Jesus. Amen. Okay, in a moment we're going to sing, but let's first of all stand. And I'll put my coat back on. I think I took it off too early. I could hardly turn the pages. And share the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.